Yeah, 10 years since that project when I was like, yeah. wow, like you can use these tools of design to like really affect positive change on people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now I, I actually get to do it, so yeah. I'm excited Great. about that. Yeah. Welcome to Design Drives, your audio experience about what, how, and why design drives things forward. A podcast hosted by Sebastian Gear, together with forward-thinking design practitioners from around the world. So on this episode, I talk with Chris Lovan, Experience Design Lead at Athena Health and teacher at the Austin Center of Design. We learn why he always wanted to create positive impact using design and why his current role in the healthcare space helps him to help others using design, improving their experience. We learn about his personal transition from industrial design now to fully interaction design and the process in between. Working in a consulting space at Frog and in-house at Honeywell Mixer Design Group and Payway Electronics. We also learn why his work in the smart home area helped him to connect both disciplines. Learning and practicing both industrial and interaction design at the same time and how connected products blur the difference between both disciplines. Which made us think if there is an agile industrial design process in the future, thanks to 3D printing, that will even out the iterative times and the iterative cycles between digital, which can often be faster, and physical industrial design, which can sometimes be slower. In addition, we think about a strategic layer of design that connects industrial and interaction design and create theories of vertical and horizontal design aspects. Again, this is a collaboration between IDSA, the Industrial Designer Society of America, and Design Drives. I hope you enjoyed the episode. All right, we are here with you know, Chris Lovin. Uh, pretty exciting to speak to you. Um, so you are experienced design lead at Altena Health, mm -hmm. right? And then you also uh, do you know, have some work in education as well, so we'll dive into that. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe for the people who don't know you, um, a little shout out on you know, how do you got into design and... Uh, yeah. What are you doing at the moment? Yeah, so uh, I graduated from Arizona State back in 2001, uh, and I studied industrial design. And while I was there, I also uh, had an exchange at the uh, FR uh, in Cologne. Mm -hmm. And uh, from, Kist, right? Yeah, Kist, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, which was amazing. I'll talk more about that later, but uh, that was how I got into design. I, I, I had met... Uh, a friend's dad's roommate, like a long time ago, and he was telling me about industrial design. And so I knew going into college that that's what I wanted to do and was felt pretty fortunate to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, and then I've, I've worked in music equipment and uh, ID consulting, uh, and then recently with uh, Frog and interaction design, and then now working in the healthcare space. Mm-hmm. Can you did, uh, unpack this a little bit, mm -hmm. um, maybe in, in a bit more detail? Yeah. Um, some of the place that, because it's you know, pretty exciting, I think, for people yeah. to hear. Uh, yeah. So my first job out of college uh, was working at PV Electronics, which was a music equipment manufacturer yeah. in Meridian, Mississippi. And uh, they, I think they were, for a long time, the largest supplier of music equipment. And so they have all kinds of things, from microphones to guitar amplifiers to keyboards and mixers and all of these things and uh, I was working there uh, for a while it was like one of two designers mm -hmm. and we were working on all kinds of things and, and it was a really like great place to be a junior designer because mm -hmm. I, I got to work on probably 200 things while I was there mm -hmm. uh, 
and whenever I finally left PV, I was ready to, to move on and, and come back to a city. And so I left there to go to Austin uh, and work for a, a small industrial design consultancy. Uh, and they do industrial design and mechanical engineering. And it was all around packaged electronics. So mm-hmm. uh, our clients were people like Dell and Hewlett Packard. Um, we did some work for Fiat and some like other, um, I guess, some medical device companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really like not a strategic design. It was mm-hmm. more of implementation. Mm-hmm. So it was taking things and immediately getting them ready. You know, designed for manufacture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was there for ten years, um, and then I wanted to. Uh, I started to explore software. Uh, I had met uh, uh, John Calco uh, and talked to him a lot about uh, ways to take my industrial design skills and start to apply those to broader problems. Mm-hmm. And I was looking uh, into an interaction design role because it felt like a nice kind of complementary space where you could take a lot of the same skills of industrial design and mm-hmm. that systematic thinking and apply it to a different problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, with his encouragement, I started to look for more software-focused roles, mm-hmm. and that's how I landed at Honeywell, uh, because they were starting up a connected home group in Austin. Mm-hmm. So I was working on both the industrial design of the products and then also the the app experience. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it kind of took off in, in the software direction and went to Frog and worked as a senior interaction designer on all kinds of things from... Uh, ride-hailing apps to oil and gas projects and mm-hmm. uh, some surgical UIs. Uh, so it was a really like interesting and intense you know, experience. Uh, and from that, I really started to enjoy the, the medical side of things. I wanted to do that full-time. And that's when I moved over to Athena mm-hmm. uh, to do more of like, helping people with health care. Yeah. So. We were chatting earlier about um, that, you know, uh, sm- uh, smart uh, the smart home topic, and it, mm-hmm. how it it actually is a great place to combine these two worlds, right? Industrial and interaction design, because they both influence itself, uh, so and it's, it's so tightly connected, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, can you share a little bit about uh, that? Yeah, I think I never understood how a software experience could really shape a hardware experience until I was in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, a good example of that is I was working on a, a water leak detector. So it's something that you um, put next to your boiler or you you know keep under your sink, and uh, it is always like l- looking for water leaks. And then mm-hmm. if it finds one, it sends an alert to your phone, um, and then also makes an alarm that you can hear uh, audibly. And it was really interesting because of how little battery they wanted it to use. They wanted it to last, I think, uh, two or three years without a battery change uh, because people put these in very awkward locations. And uh, they were thinking, like, okay, well, we want it to last uh, two years. We want it to check in with the cloud, like, this many times. And do all. And then when I was working with the engineers, um, they realized that it was going to need four AA batteries and it was going to be this, like, huge thing. Mm-hmm. And then I made a model of it, and they were like, oh, we can't do that because you can't put that under anything. You can't mm-hmm. put that next to your, like, water heater. You can't do these things because it's too big. So we had to start working on the requirements and say, okay, well, maybe it checks in once a day. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, it only lasts one year. And then we were able to take half the batteries out and then get to a package that was a lot more uh, reasonable. Mm-hmm. But it really affected the software experience because yeah. then you couldn't check in real time. Like, you had to wait a day 
like to get the update, you know, it, unless something was wrong, it was detecting water, and then it would immediately send. Uh, but it would uh, every day it would show you uh, the the temperature and the humidity so that you knew it was still working. Mm-hmm. But that was an interesting problem to like, how do you, you know, show that something is working whenever it only comes alive once a day and you only get this update once a day. Mm-hmm. And so like, how do you like build confidence and do these things? And, mm-hmm. But because it, it really affected everything, it affected the size, it affected the app. It it was. Really, an interesting problem. Yeah. Problem to work on. Did you guys work also on the um, unpackaging and mounting experience? Because this is another fascinating topic. I think about Smart Tom. Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the biggest points of friction at the moment is still the setup and mounting process, and Absolutely. you know, getting into the space and knowing you know what do I need to connect to create what kind of experience. So. Yeah, yeah. I didn't work a lot on the thermostats. Um, I did uh, kind of reskin one and made a, a new DLS for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but working with the team who did a lot of the thermostat work, it really was like incredible, like how complicated it was to get all of the things configured and put up in the right location. Because depending on everyone's system, which is different based on the manufacturer of the air conditioner and the make of the house and all of these things, like you have all these different wires and there's no consistency, so you just have to know where to put things. Mm-hmm. And they they're trying to guide it, you know. And so now you have a phone and you're looking at this thermostat and these wires coming out of the wall and like you're trying to you know make sense of all these things and yeah. it was really a, a difficult problem mm-hmm. i think it was a i think it is still a big big problem and that needs to be fixed um, but i think that's why you know contractors are so popular because you know mm-hmm. even nest like you you pay a fee and they'll come out and install your doorbell or you know put your mm-hmm. thermostat it's part of the service experience mm-hmm. right and, you know, yeah. exactly i think a lot of people start it and then they get scared <laughs> so it's intentionally uh, it's like yeah. you're experts on right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think there's a lot of there's definitely opportunities there to yeah. make that a better a better experience. So that's the question about like good design is good business, right? Mm-hmm. You want to have the people come out for the mounting process. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting too. Like, for us, a big problem was having consistency between the the, the different devices, right? If you have a water leak detector and you have a doorbell and you have a camera and you have all these things like how do you make it feel like a consistent experience across all of these different uh, products that have very different architectures and very different you know hardware specifications yeah did you guys worked also on design language systems mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah physical and digital mm-hmm. uh, so we were working they had a they called it the Lyric DLS and Lyric was the name of the, the app and then the family of products mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a very kind of uh, family-focused, like a common language of like um, sharp edges with these like nice soft surfaces and mm-hmm. like showing that duality. And uh, a big part of it was making it feel like it was part of the home and not a, a, a gadget, but like to make it feel like something that you would actually want to display in your home. Mm-hmm. So it was a, an, an interesting concept. It's something I think Google is doing really well right now with a lot of their smart home devices. Yeah, thinking of this less of a utility, but more of something, almost this decoration aspects, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think they really, I whenever I saw their stuff, I was like, that's nice. It was really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's also interesting, you worked also at uh, Mixer Design Group, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and Honeywell. So yeah, you had these both perspectives on like in-house and, um, you know, consultancy and, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the area of, you know, smart home and consumer products in that kind of space. So were there any interesting learnings on, on that? Totally, yeah. I think uh, when you work as a consultant and you do something and you 
put your heart and soul into it and then you give it over to the client and then you never see it again like there's this like was it not the right thing? Like, what happened? Mm-hmm. And then you find out when you go in-house that there's a million things that could have happened. They could have just changed their mind or the guy whose project it was quit or, like, all these things. And you get a lot more, I guess, perspective on how decisions are made. And, you know, you, I guess you start to take things less personally. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to look at yeah. it, right? Yeah. Like, oh, wow, it's, am- <clears throat> it's amazing that anything gets made. You yeah. know, it's not just... It's not just my things that don't get made. Yeah, and so you you know you started over back on industry and then mm. you moved to interaction design. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sort of learning by doing in yeah. a way, right? How was that? Like you know, getting into that space. It was really. I think it was harder than I expected. I think that's the ID hubris, right? There's like we can do whatever, you know. But I, <clears throat> I think that what I didn't know was how to approach. Uh, digital systems with that same kind of systemic approach and like how to build consistency mm-hmm. and make sure that things were built from a strong foundation instead of just trying to fix like these point solutions. Um, I think that was the biggest thing I had to learn and I didn't properly learn that until I was at Frog because mm-hmm. um, that was just so much of what we did all mm-hmm. the time, like just starting and building a foundation and then fleshing things out. Yeah. And when you, when you were saying interaction design, uh, was it in the beginning also UX UI design or was it uh, more the tactile, you know, let's say the industrial uh, mm-hmm. design interactions? It was a little bit of both. Um, at Honeywell, uh, they didn't really have the different roles of like a visual designer versus an interaction designer. It was just kind of rolled up into one person. So I was mm-hmm. doing a lot of the, the visual design of the app and then okay. you know, also figuring out the architecture and things like that. Um, and then as far as the experience on the device, like that was also something that I was trying to specify, like mm-hmm. when lights come on or how things act or the sounds that it makes, like all those decisions. Mm-hmm. So it was a really, it was a, that experience was a great kind of like, transition into a purely digital world mm-hmm. and then um, yeah later on you you were i think after that you were joining frog right mm-hmm. now you actually move completely to ux UI design right mm-hmm. yep yeah there was always uh the hope that i would bring industrial design to austin because the office the frog office in, in austin doesn't do really any product design all um, oh, right, got it. Yeah, All right. so it's just in San Francisco and New York. So okay, um, their hope and the reason they wanted me oh, to so to, they hired to you as a hybrid. Sort of yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, they were like, if we find the right client and the project's not too big, like then we could take this risk and then we can you know figure it out and then we'll grow it from there. And as you know, I mean, working on the client or sorry, working in consulting, like you can only work on the projects that come to you. Yeah, right. So those opportunities never happened. Okay, not. I, I think one so there was one good opportunity that happened like right as I was leaving Frog, but it was uh, mm. it was still it was like a very like I think we can sell them on that like it wasn't a really strong you know case to be made so yeah uh, but yeah so in the meantime I got to really learn how to be an interaction designer <laughs> it was very very it was like sink or swim kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, they immediately went into a big uh, uh, enterprise design problem where it was this big space and it had a web interface and then also a tablet experience and a mobile experience and like all these different people were getting coordinated together and I was the only interaction designer and they're like 
come on, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> and that's, that's how you learn, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> how big is the team in, in, in Austin, the Fructis and you? Uh, there are 60 creative. 60? Mm-hmm. 60 creative, and then another 20 kind of uh, in like accounting and IT and some of the more support roles. Uh-huh. So how many uh, interactions on it? Five or six, maybe. Okay, what are the, what are the others then? Uh, there's a lot of visual design. Uh, there's a lot of uh, design technologists, so the engineering team. Um, there is uh, support roles like uh, project managers, uh, what they call an experienced architect, which is like a product owner type of position. Uh, and there's also a lot of business strategy. That's the other part of the team, is okay. that uh, you would work a lot with, uh, whenever they would staff a team, there is usually one person from each discipline. Mm-hmm. So you would have an interaction designer, a visual designer, a business strategist, a, a project manager, and then you have creative directors and uh, some executives that kind of help, you know, lead, I, I guess, the, the big, make sure the quality is there and that, you know, everyone is delivering what was promised. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but that seems to be... Yeah, if it was a really big project, they would start to duplicate. But I think there was maybe, yeah, I can't imagine. I, I can't think of more than six to ten interaction designers, mm-hmm. it, it, like including interns and yeah. kind of in the flux there. Mm-hmm. So what's I think also interesting, um, you know, reflecting on your decision to go into uh, interaction design. Do you miss mm-hmm. any of the industry design yeah. Uh, pieces? Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I miss I miss the craft. I think craft, most of yeah. all. Yeah. yeah, I miss like drawing and uh, you know just like really like laboring over details. Uh-huh. Um, I still get to draw, but it's a lot different now. Like it's more of like doing storyboards and you know like rough screen concepts, things like that. You know, like setting setting context and scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not nearly as uh, it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. But it is it, at least I still get to sketch and my I still get to move my hand. Mm-hmm. You know. Wireframing. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not, it's not, not as sexy, but it is yeah. nice to, you know, still like be able to say, oh well, I'm gonna wireframe this, you know, on a phone in a hand in a car, <laughs> <laughs> and then you can still like work on it. That that's way. just zooming <laughs> yeah. out, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then at uh, Athena Health, can mm-hmm. you tell a little bit about um, your role? Because you know we moved to into you know um, health products. So yep. It's a completely different space, right? It is completely different. Yeah. So while I was at Frog, uh, a few of my favorite projects were really in the healthcare space, mm-hmm. and I knew that that was something that I wanted to move into full time. And because I can't control really what I work on at Frog, I had to like say, okay, well I'm going to make a stand and I'm going to go somewhere mm-hmm. else. Um, so when I went to Athena. Um, what they do is they help people manage their electronic records. Mm-hmm. So this is something that um, really with the Affordable Care Act and a few other things that were happening in the late 90s, they were trying to move people away from paper records. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you go to a different doctor, like they don't know your health history. Like they have to call the other doctor and then they fax things over and it's a very like weird, slow, paper-based system. Mm-hmm. Um, so what Athena is trying to do is to really pull people into electronic health records, and then they help uh, physicians and medical practices uh, schedule people and get them into the door, and then they also help them uh, get treated for the right things. They look for drug interactions and a lot of these other uh, things while they're in in the office, and then they help with the managing the insurance and actually getting the, the doctor paid. So it's a really interesting kind of uh, software-as-a-service Mm-hmm. platform, mm-hmm. you know, where they're just helping doctors run their practice and, mm-hmm. and get paid and yeah. actually yeah. get people to show up. On time. Yeah. So this whole topic about um, that Athena's health is working off is mm-hmm. really also connected to the 
public enabling, right? The government enabling, you know, to you know work on that, right? Yeah, yeah. They they talk about uh, they call it the Iron Triangle of healthcare, which is this idea of there's three things that you're always balancing, and yeah. that's uh, the quality of the service that you're getting, uh, how much access you have to a service, and then the cost of the service. Yeah. So you know, for us, it's really not an equal system, right? Because depending on who you are, where you live, and how much money you have, you have access to different qualities of care than other people who might be living in a rural place that don't have any money, right? It's a very, uh, healthcare in America is very just lopsided and it's a very like fragmented, like just not uh, not at all consistent, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you can have totally different experiences from one doctor to another in one city to another. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so really what they're trying to do is to give people the tools to run their office and, and be able to serve people and and to give a more consistent experience. Mm -hmm. It must feel great as a designer to, to, to work in it because it really takes away friction for people, mm -hmm. right, to, you know, you know, attract their health records and so on. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the reasons that doctors quit and that they leave private practice is because it is so hard to get paid. Mm -hmm. uh, they have so much paperwork to do and uh, they have to do all these insurance submissions and they're constantly, mm -hmm. like, dealing with that and it takes away from their what they really want to do which is to help people right yeah so what athena is doing is is taking a lot of that work on so that they can focus on actually you know providing care to their patients mm -hmm. so that's that was what i thought was you know such an interesting you know opportunity and then because athena is sitting in that space and they're like starting to work with these like digital records and in thinking about, like, well, as people move away from um, uh, fee-for-service and more towards a value-based uh, care. So doctors are now, instead of just saying, you come to the office, that's $30 or whatever mm -hmm. it is, they're looking at, okay, well, we did this treatment plan and now you've had this new result. So they're, they're actually, like, tracking, like, people's progress and, like, the outcomes of the procedures And then they are um, trying to provide more value instead of just just taking money and being transactional. Mm -hmm. So as they do that, it, it really bleeds into more like, you know, like how do you make sure people are doing the right thing at home, you know, when they're not in the office? And how do you like help them in other places? So it's like mm. pushing out of the doctor's office into more service experiences and more, you know, uh, consumer-driven experiences, right? Because now they could be checking it on their health from their phone or something like that. So there's all these interesting kind of avenues that are opening up. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we'll get to work on that, that stuff. Yeah. But it's also interesting because, you know, it's, you know, an area where, you know, obviously, you know, design can have impact and, you know, drive, um, you know, create you know, better experiences for people, really, and have a positive impact, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering a little bit about, you know, maybe your personal feeling, you know, working now in that space compared to... Uh, I guess like in you know in design consulting or you know even smart home like you know end of the day you you know you drive you know business success so it's still something mm -hmm. you all still do but at the same time there's a big portion of you know the business is really also aligned with you know solving something really big for people right mm -hmm. so and I was wondering a little bit how that you know feels for you as a designer you know maybe compared to your old jobs and yeah it feels great I I think uh, a project that has always stuck with me was uh, one that I did is a, just a pro bono uh, work for a, 
there's a foster care facility, um, and so they were taking children um, who had, they were the most at risk, they had been taken from their families, and they needed help. Mm. Um, and so we, whenever I was at Mixer, we approached them and said, hey, you know, we have these designers, like, how can we help? And they were like, what are industrial designers going to do with, you know, foster children, right? Um, but we ended up pulling in some people who had been involved with IDEO and um, some other firms, and, like, we, we pulled together this team, and mm. we started interviewing the people who worked at the facility, and we realized that they had this big need for uh, this therapeutic space where kids could go and they could relax, and it would, like, take them out of this, like, heavy emotional state and mm-hmm. get them to calm down. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that we had never done before. It was totally like it was architecture and like materials and things like that. And it had such an impact on the kids' lives and, and it changed the way that they were actually administering the therapy. And like mm-hmm. it, it went from being this punishment to go to this room to now like the kids wanted to go there. Mm-hmm. And I'd always been looking for a way to get back to that kind of work, mm-hmm. you know, and it turns out that that's the, there's not a lot of people that will pay you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it took true. a while. Yeah, it took a while. while. Yeah. Found something, right? And I think it really like that transition, you know, unfortunately the transition away from industrial design but more into a, a service and, and interaction design role, it really opened up a lot, of, a lot more opportunities in that space. And I think that, you know, because of that and then working, you know, at Athena, like it's, it's like actually moving that way. So it's been... 10 years, but I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. Maybe eventually. 10 years since you started. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 10 years since that project when I was like, yeah. wow, like you can use these tools of design to like really affect positive change on people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now I, I actually get to do it. So yeah, I'm excited great. about that. Yeah. Uh, Ron, do you have any advice for people who maybe you know, face a similar you know, point in their career where they want to move to in I mean, that's really to interact design. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of, you know, your personal learnings on, you know, how to make this transition. Yeah, I think um, for me, what went the easiest was, uh, you know, research and, like, figuring out kind of, like, the big strategy. Like, that was really, really easy. Like, it it felt very natural and very much like what you would do in an industrial design process, right? You go and you find a problem and you do some research and you talk to some people and then you come up with concepts. And I think what really I had to learn um, was really just kind of foundational software skills that I just didn't have, you know, coming from industrial design. Like, you had to learn, um, you know, what is information architecture? Like, how do you arrange information? Like, what are these patterns? And how do people navigate through the, the software? And then how do you make that a consistent experience that, that you know, feels, you know, like it was all done at the same time and it's not, it doesn't feel haphazard? And I think that was something that I just, uh, I mean, it makes sense now. Mm-hmm. We'd like to look back at it. It was like, of course, like, why didn't I know this? But I think I had never approached software in a systemic way like that. And I think that was something that I really had to, like, that was the biggest learning curve for me. Um, so I think if I was to, you know, talk to someone about changing careers or doing that, like, I would look initially at a place where, you know, you could use those skills of strategy and research and concepting and, like, stay a little bit big, big picture for a while and then try to find good mentors that can help you, uh, you know, really learn how to do these, like, foundational skills of information architecture and, and mm-hmm. consistent interaction design. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I think those are hard 
it's I think they're hard to read a book and and then do it. You know, like yeah, sure. Like it's hard to just like learn it and then just yeah. make it happen because everything is so different. Um, but I think people are. I think interaction design is still young enough of a profession that people are still very okay with you not knowing all the things and teaching you. So I think it's a good, it's a good time, and I think there's a really good relationship between industrial design and interaction design at the moment. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of talk also about uh, obviously the you know the, the, the rise of value of design. You, know, you mm -hmm. probably have seen the McKinsey report. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any you know specific opinion on 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 that or? I think that's something I'll probably know a lot more about soon, uh, because what okay. Athena is really good at is tracking metrics and like actually, All right? That's interesting. It, like, so they're able to say like we made this change, and we know it like people found it this much faster, or that they were spending this much less time on the page, or that they did things right the first time more often, and that's something that you would never get to in consulting because it's like it takes time and you have to go through revisions and roll things out slowly but uh, I think as an in-house product designer like it's going to be really interesting to have those tools that I've never had before and to really like validate you know decisions that I've made and, and, and then to see like you know were they good because probably a lot of them aren't yeah. you know so it'll be interesting to, to be able to see that and to measure it and to track it and That's something I'm really excited about that I've never never been able to do before. Mm -hmm. How many people are working at Atena Health? Uh, I think there are 6,000 total. 6,000? Mm -hmm. Probably still small enough to, you know, uh, small enough to be very closely connected to, you know, customer insights mm -hmm. and, you know, feedback and so on, right? Yeah, they have a great, they have a, a department called Design Operations. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Yeah, so it's kind of like DevOps, but it's Design Ops, and... What these people do is they help um, develop these like shared tools and and things that like I can contact design ops and say hey I want to do this test mm. and they say great like we have all of these protocols that you can use we have the people that you can talk to like how many people do you need what what kind of timeline are you looking at and so they just like it's so much faster to get to where you, like you don't have to build everything from the ground up you just mm -hmm. they know who they're gonna send the the you know questions out to or the the presentations and um i actually while i've been here they were doing one um where they sent out a validation video and like sent some questions and so whenever i get back to austin i'll be able to hear like how some of the changes have been and that was all things that design ops had set up like it was i just sent a video And then they sent me a flyer, and I changed some. Or a, I'm sorry, not a flyer, a, a questionnaire, and I changed some, changed some questions, and then mm -hmm. they just did it. It was like the easiest research I've ever done. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking forward to using that, you know, and, and seeing like how that works. And I think next up is like actually going and talking to some physicians and like talking to the, the people that work, you know, mm -hmm. in the office and and getting that kind of context because yeah. I, I haven't gotten that yet. Mm -hmm. But that's because you, you know, not there long enough, probably, right? Yeah. But um, you, you guys, have, as a design team, have you know access to the customer, I assume, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. They they have uh, a few people who are so excited about making things better because <laughs> mm -hmm. they use the tool, right? So mm -hmm. they want it to be better. So um, they're more than happy to invite us over and like talk to us and tell us what they don't like. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a really uh, It's neat. I've never, I've never had that before. I've never had like a, 
a group of people that like really want to help and like are consistent because I think that's something that we missed a lot in even in the connected home space is mm-hmm. you would go talk to people and then you could never like go back to them and ask them like is this what you wanted you know we thought we heard this is this what you wanted because mm-hmm. they were always different people mm-hmm. um, do you also do you serve design in your in your practice there mm-hmm. or? yeah they they are actually looking for a service designer right now uh, to work in Austin Mm. Um, so I'm interested to see like how that plays in with the design team and like yeah, yeah, how that room is utilized in, yeah because I think this is an interesting aspect I think to you know it feels at least to me to mm-hmm. uh, the project you guys are working on yeah. to really think about you know the journey there and, yeah yeah. And it was something we did a lot of at Frog you know was working with the uh, the business strategist and because of uh, a lot of the projects that we had were more open I guess we're not open, like there was a, a good definition, but they were earlier in the, in the process. So we were able to say, like, we think this is who you want to, you know, design for. We think this is what needs to happen. So that was, uh, it was definitely one of the things that Frog did a lot of. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there any interesting realizations here being at the IDC uh, conference in terms of... Yeah. Like, I mean, it's an industrial design conference. Yeah. So actually... But I think uh, you know at least it's a little bit connected to Dustin. You yeah. now made the switch to interactionism. Yeah. You know how's it how's it for you being here? Well, I think it's interesting because I haven't been to a an, an IDSA conference in probably four or five years, and it's been interesting to see that they are intentionally making the shift to be more, yeah. I guess, inclusive of of, of people you know yeah. with different backgrounds. They saw you were doing it, so no, no <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think they saw the market was doing it, yeah. you know, and that, you know, people were, I, I don't know, it, it's interesting to see, you know, who stays in industrial design and who, like, moves on. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very interesting time. I think there's, I feel like there's a lot of just, like, moving, and people are trying to learn, like, how to best use their skills and how to best solve problems, and it's interesting. I, and I think the, the conference has been a good representation of that, right, of this mm-hmm. kind of ambiguous world that we're in now like is yeah. I think the the topics are really interesting like how they're talking about uh, you know they're not talking about radii and materials like they're talking about like what is inclusion in design and what is you know these kind of bigger problems you know so I, I think that they are starting to think more I guess holistically and to think yeah. more strategically and I think that's it's excellent so I, I'm definitely I major you know like really happy with how Chris has taken it so. Yeah, I was just you know thinking of uh, Michael Di Toulouse uh-huh. uh, talk. I don't know if you saw it. No, I, um, I missed it. He was at the same time I was. Oh, okay, and uh, he was talking about design language systems, uh-huh. and but more from a holistic perspective, and obviously industrial design connected, right? And mm-hmm. design languages in terms of like industrial design, mm-hmm. but then also zooming out in terms of like you know aligning on taste, smell, and like yeah. you know, other senses. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, interesting. Yeah, I, that's that's something when we were working in medical devices, like to think about how do you create a design language not only with the form and the UI and that experience, but then like how do you fold sound into it and like, you know, what is this family sound and like how should it be? And mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting to, to start to pull on more senses. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to this inter- intersection of industry and interaction design, mm-hmm. um, or maybe more connected to your, your, you know, if you say like you want to stay in complete interaction, then any big, any big trends you see in that kind of space, or hybrid space. 
Yeah. I was wondering a little bit where you see it going. Yeah, I mean, I think it's only going to happen more. I think that 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 need, you know, for a hybrid talent is just going to be more and more in demand. Um, Because I think it's just not enough to have a thing anymore. I think that, you know, all the things that we're using, these laptops and phones and all of these devices, like, that have a digital life, like, they all need to be considered together. And because they do have such an impact on each other, like, I think it's really hard for two people to do that, you know, like they either need to be embedded and working on it at the same time, or there needs to be some kind of consistency between it. So there needs to be some kind of strong design leadership that is like making this consistency across the two experiences. And I think that that's really hard in a lot of organizations because they're just not structured that way. Like there's Mm -hmm. the ID team and the interaction team. And I think that there's this room in the middle that really is a a big opportunity for Mm -hmm. making kind of like this next generation of really tightly integrated products. Yeah. You can, you know, agree or disagree, but I, I feel like there is, you know, there's this horizontal space between, like, industrial and interaction design, which mm-hmm. is obviously neat uh, now. But I guess there's also a lot of, you know, vertical space within each discipline to go really into detail, right? Absolutely. So, like, being actually really good, you know, in getting things out and coming up with the final yep. uh, you know, surface design and um, all of these topics. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just, you know, and, you know, probably this, you know, connection where, you know, the intersections were valuable. I think mm-hmm. it's towards the whole uh design process obviously but I think maybe mostly in the beginning right absolutely uh, where it's more about you know setting the stage you know looking on you know design strategy I would almost yep. say yeah um, yeah yeah I totally agree and I think that's that's something that I've been trying to figure out is like how do you keep two careers going right <laughs> like how do you stay a good industrial designer and be a good interaction designer and it's two different careers right it's yeah. like it's, you can go vertically, you can go quite deep, right? Yeah, it's yeah. hard to be really good at both, no. right? I mean, you can't be spending all your time in CAD and then, like, still, like, making software. It's a, So I think, it, I think you're right. Like, it is the beginning of the process where you're understanding, you know, how these two things are related and, and the kind of give and take uh, of the decisions that you're making. And you yeah. understand, like, oh, well, if I say it's going to be this kind of interaction, that means this kind of screen, which means it's going to be this cost. And I think that there is that you know, this like space in the beginning where you can be both, but then eventually it does branch. And I think you do have to be, I think you have to have an expert, you know, in each field. Yeah. And what's also interesting, if we say beginning, right, at mm-hmm. the moment, you know, digital products obviously have a much quicker iteration circle. Yeah. And physical products and then have a slower one. Yeah. Uh, but what's also changing is if you look at uh, rapid manufacturing, all kind of these topics, mm-hmm. uh, industries in itself, you know, uh, at least, you know, that could be a prediction. It will become much faster moving yeah. forward, right? So uh, maybe at some point, you know, the iteration cycles will be more aligned. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then it's not just, you know, a touch point, you know, talking about the horizontal connection between industry and interaction design. It's not going to be just, you know, in the beginning of the process, but if the iteration cycles would actually, you know, align, you could have these, you know, uh, point where you sort of align Mm-hmm. On, on, on both disciplines like yeah. uh, throughout a you know product Im- improvement process yeah the 3D printing have gotten so good I mean it really makes me it makes me wonder if there could be like an agile industrial design cycle right where mm-hmm. you you're like I think this is what people want you know and then here's a good enough model of it and just take it out and test it you know mm-hmm. and like have some rough software experience that you take with you and then just continue to iterate and revise and mm-hmm. then what you eventually make could be 
completely different than what you thought you needed, right? Yeah. And I think that's that's something that we could do now that we just couldn't do even 10 years ago. Yeah. Because I think the technology is just, it's so much better now. It's, I've been amazed at the 3D prints that I see. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah. And they're affordable. It's just, yeah. it's a whole new, whole new world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, I agree to you. I think there will be a, 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 lot, a growing demand on, on that kind of area, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any, you know, maybe um, dis- uh, advice for you for, um, you know, um, a young, you know, industrial design student and maybe a young uh, interaction design student on mm-hmm. both sides, how to, uh, you know, maybe emphasize with the other disciplines or what to consider, you know, mm-hmm. starting out? Yeah, I, I think any industrial design student should probably be, in some degree, thinking about software. Um, I don't think they have to be experts, but I think they need to like have an awareness and like understand that that, that is a reality, and to kind of understand like how different physical interactions could manifest, you know, in, into the product design. Um, you know, touch screens versus buttons or things like that. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, as interaction designers, I think it's I think it's harder because the industrial design world is so focused on craft. And just these like skills that you slowly grow, and I think it's, I think it's good for them to understand that it is a different process, mm-hmm. you know, and that things don't happen as quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but I think there's definitely there's a lot of overlap. I think, and I think it, it definitely feels like, um, I don't know. It, for me, it's been a fun space to be. I know it's got to be fun for you as well, mm-hmm. like to be living this physical, digital world, you know, where things are blending. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know what the future will be. I don't know if there will be a new kind of designer that comes out. But, yeah. yeah, there's a whole topic at the moment around the naming of design disciplines, like in the confusion yes. or uncertainty. That's a better wording. Yeah. It's uh, happening in the design industry where, you know, people really don't know how to, you know, brand themselves or, like, name themselves and, like, yeah. uh, be the right fit in the market. So, yeah. Uh, that's a whole other topic. So I think uh, we are a little bit in a transition phase, or yeah. in, a, in, a, in a phase of uncertainty. When yeah. It comes to that, so. I totally agree. Uh, yeah, and I think it's it's interesting because like I think interaction design is still so new. You know, even though it's been around twenty years now or thirty years, and I guess I'm trying to remember when like Tim Brown and, and Bill Mockridge were like they they coined the term interaction design. I think that was in the early nineties, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's still a very new kind of scrappy career and it's it's interesting to see where people come you know they come from english backgrounds or they come from history and in industrial design it's just this like strange place where people are like learning these skills and, and making new things and mm-hmm. it's, it's exciting that's mm-hmm. yeah, exciting yeah so thank you so much for sharing these insights for yeah. fascinating thanks thanks for having me it's been really fun that was the episode If you want to give us feedback on the podcast, have something to contribute to the next episode, or just want to get in touch, feel free to connect with us either on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram messages, or simply via the designdrives.org website. We love to hear from you.